0: Welcome to What If But Good, a podcast about writing badly until you can write well. I'm your host, Peter Lundquist. I'm your host that laughs too loud, Evan Pugh. And I'm your taller host, Silas Robinson. Each season, the three of us go through the daunting task of attempting to write feature-length screenplays from scratch in just 16 weeks. Will we succeed? Will we
1: fail? Will we give up writing, move to Japan, and master the art of flower arrangement? There is only one way to find out. Listen in each week as we battle our writing demons, each other, and the sound of a buzzing refrigerator on What, what If
0: But, if but good. good? If you'd like to follow along with our rushed, unfinished pages each week, check us out at whatifbutgood.com and on all socials as What If But Good.
1: Do if, but water. Yes. Go
0: where to it is. It's the show with hot questions and even hotter wings. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, um, what if, but goofy? What if, but goofy? Uh, <laughs> um, it's the penultimate episode, you guys. Oh my god, we're right? oh, close me. to the finish line of season one. Yeah, and uh, somehow I might not finish. <laughs> um... You're you're pretty close. I'm pretty, pretty close. close. I'm very close. Uh, did not back in back in those heady thirty-seven page days. I, I didn't think there was any possibility I would not finish this <laughs> in, in the sixteen weeks allotted. But uh, here we are. Oh boy. Oh boy,
0: indeed. Uh, how was how was this week for everybody? Uh, I did nothing until today, Sunday, and then I pounded out eight and a half pages, and I got to the words fade out. Mm. Very happy about that. It feels amazing, doesn't the it? The script is not done but it's like, it says fade
1: out. Yeah. <laughs> the, the end credits. The whatever. script is not done, but the first draft is. Te- yeah, technically, yeah. yeah. It's, it's done. You did it. Yeah. You made it from one end to the other. Congratulations, buddy. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's
0: give me a hand. That uh, felt really, really bad. <laughs>
2: yeah. I you made it all the way from ass to tea kettle. I'm proud of you. Yeah, well, I mean, Thanks, guys.
1: so so the podcast is at least one third successful. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. Yeah, let's, let's make it to 100%, boys. Evan, how was your week?
2: It was good. Um, I wrote as much as I could when I could, but it was definitely a struggle. Um, I've kind of been doing other things, um, trying to work through some stuff personally, but I was able to get a good seven pages written, and I think I struggled the most with, the, with an interview scene, mostly because I didn't know how to make it dynamic or interesting. I still don't think I succeeded, but it's there, it exists, and it's almost done. Um, I wanted to finish this week and I didn't, but I, I know exactly what's gonna happen in the next two scenes, so
1: we'll see. Yeah. Man, um, how did your week go? Uh, I was okay. It was it was an ass beater, work wise. Like, I, I I haven't heard
0: ass beater as a noun before. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a k- cooking utensil. Right. Yeah.
1: It was this week was an ass beater. Uh, um, you you first beat the ass until it <laughs> achieves stiff peaks. <laughs> um, yeah, it, uh, it, 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 I, I had, there was one surprise day where I got out of work early and I wrote two scenes and I was like, oh, here we go, baby, here we go. And then, like, I didn't, like, every day was longer and harder than the last one. And on Friday, I didn't get home from work until 7.30 a.m. Oh, my God. Yeah. On Saturday. And what, what time did you start? I started at 4 p.m. Oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. man. so it was an, so... I didn't get any writing done yesterday. I didn't get any writing done other than the one surprise day. So the other... You know, we, we talked about this last week. I made it a little bit over halfway through Act One. Uh, right now I only have one day scheduled for next week. So hopefully I remain as unemployed. Knock <laughs> <laughs> no, on wood. Knock on wood that you don't get. Knock <laughs> wood that I don't make valuable. any money. <laughs> Skrilla. Exactly. Um, and I'm also like... You know, as 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 I approach the end of this, like you, you know, th- I think I think a lot of I, I, a lot of people have said this in a lot of different ways, but I think a huge one of the biggest parts of creating anything is having the patience to not abandon it before it gets good, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or if we, or before it gets finished, right? Like, I, I I one thing that I've
2: struggled with is simply not wanting to finish. You know, yeah. it's like I'm so done. Yeah, and
1: it's like, no, and then... Don't quit keep going, okay well, and okay. and like so, so right now i i in intellectually, i'm like i've I've shown enough people enough of these pages at this point that I think there's something here, but right now it just all I can really think about is the stuff that either seemed like it was gonna be cool, that didn't make it in or wasn't as cool as I thought it would be, and it's just like, oh man, this is, there's a lot of work still before yeah. this is good, but uh. You know, I'm, I'm, i I just, the, the only, the only, like with freestyle rapping, the only, the only way to lose is to stop.
0: (laughs) My name is Peter, and I'm here to say, I'm writing screenplays in a special, oh, God. God Uh, Wait, wait. What are you doing, Peter?
1: Uh, I had screenplay right there, and I didn't rhyme it. Here to say, and and there, and thus ends the freestyle rap. and, yeah, and, 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 and thus it.
2: ends Peter's rap career.
1: <laughs> I'm about to end this man's whole <laughs> career. Yeah.
0: My very first uh, rap couplet I ever wrote, I wrote when I was like 18, and it was um, "Late Blue What "Late blue <laughs> I, I was not, I was not like a, a rapster. I, was, right. I just thought it was outside of the realm of possibility for me to ever write rap, let alone perform it. And, uh, I was, I was right, but but the one bar that I wrote that I really liked is, uh, I'm blonde, uh, and it goes, uh, you can call me Goldilocks, but you bitches are the porridge. I'm the type of motherfucker gets to rhyme with orange. (laughs) I was so proud of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, that brings us into our conversation topic (laughs) for this episode, uh, which is, we, we've all kind of touched on this a little bit, but, um, how do you know when you are finished? Yeah. Is it you hit the words fade out, and then your draft one is done, and you're done? Or is it like Orson Welles, like you just keep messing with it forever? How um, do you feel about it?
2: I've always kind of adhered to the it's never done, it's just turned in kind of thing. Yeah. Where, where there's just like, you can, you can tweak it and change it all you want, but the problem is that if you keep doing that as a process... You, you also change as a writer over time. Right. And everything that you thought was okay stops being okay, and you have to go back and you have to fucking change everything again. Yeah. So it's just it's a matter of knowing when it's time to move on to the next idea. When yeah. it's like, okay, I've spent enough time on this, and it's a, it's a modicum of done at least. I need to do something else. Maybe we'll come back to it. Yeah. But right now, I'm just going to turn it in and see what happens.
1: Yeah. I... So, I mean, for me, the whole reason we started this podcast, uh, for those of you playing the drinking game at home, take a shot every time Silas says, <laughs> says explains what the whole reason we started the podcast was, um, uh, it is because I knew that if left to my own devices, I would tweak forever and never complete. Right. Um, and I, I believe two things, which are sort of contradictory. First, I believe that the more work you put into something, the better it is. And... Uh, I'm I'm not a um, who's the on the road guy. Care- Care- I'm not a I'm not a Kerouac type thinker where you're like first thought best thought first thought best thought. If you feel it strong enough and just release those feelings, that will always be your purest work. Like always hit send on emails you write in, one in the more <laughs> Like that's not that's not I I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Hemingway guy. It's like the first draft of everything is garbage. Just get it out, let it be dumb. You can always make it better. Editing is easier than writing objectively. Right. Yeah. The other thing which I believe, which completely contradicts that, is that uh, it's never, you're, I don't think I'm ever going to be satisfied with it. I don't right. think I'm ever going to be like, yes, this feels
2: think, as good as I wanted it to be. I think that's a good point, that finishing and feeling satisfied are two very different things that are not yeah. mutually exclusive. Like, if, if you only feel like you're finished when you're satisfied with it, then nothing ever gets finished.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. I, for me, I, the only solution I've been able to come up with, which we are in,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> that is deadlines.
0: The whole yeah. reason for this podcast is... The the
1: <laughs> I, tip
0: them back, everybody. Tip them back. Uh, <laughs>
1: yeah, the, the, I feel like we gave ourselves 16 weeks to write a first draft. We haven't decided what the next number is going to be, but I, at least for myself, I want to choose an amount of time for how long I'm, I'm allowed to keep working on this. Right. Um, I definitely have an idea in my head for how long I have before I get to, sh- before I have to show this to other people besides you two and my wife. Yeah. but um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think for me, it's gonna be work on it as hard as I can until I reach the time when I said I have to be done by, and then I have to move on.
0: Right. Yeah. Because at some
1: point, regardless, you have to move on. Yeah.
0: The reason I brought up Orson Welles is because he famously said that my work uh never gets finished it only gets released yeah Um, and um there's there's that i'm not i'm not quite on that end of the spectrum where it's like it's always evolving until some studio douchebag says that it has to be done um but i'm also not like the uh the far end where it's just like you know just push it out it's just no matter what it is just push it out uh i think there's you know it's there's destructive things about both approaches right um and for me, like, you said your first draft is done, and I'm like, no, I don't think it is. I think okay. I my first draft will be done on July 4th, yeah, the day that we said we were going to finish this. But right now, it's like, th- there's a beginning, a middle, and an end, and the things that are in the story don't really connect properly right. for me to call it a first draft. Right. We're just um, looking at that,
2: like, final pass kind of thing. Yeah, yeah I but need you're...
0: to add, like, two or three more scenes. Uh-huh. I need to set up a few, you know, uh so called them weenies in the first episode. Yeah. Just like little things to point to at uh-huh. the end. I need to have those in the beginning. And then I'll feel like, okay, at least now the first draft is in a state where I can show it to somebody and they won't be like, hey, did you forget to do this?
1: And you're like,
2: no, I just was done.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, for, for me, I'm, I sort of think of it as like, the, 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 what I call the first draft in my head is just whatever I end up with in the process of of getting from the beginning to the end. Um, And then the thing that I show people is going to be the second draft, which is going to be where I go through. And I, now I know what all the scenes are going to be. So I can, I can tweak them and tailor them. And I, I I can spot dialogue that isn't important from a mile (laughs) away, (laughs) which I couldn't before. And, uh, but it's, it's, yeah. I I feel like that's, that's terminology and and we're both in kind of the same place, which is, just because you have a fade-in and a fade-out, a title card in at the end, doesn't mean it's necessarily ready to show people. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, There's um, I, was, I had something specific that I was waiting to uh, say, and then I listened to you instead, which mm-hmm. is better for the podcast, but worse for me saying the things that I want to say. Okay. So it's just gone now. Whatever was in my head is gone. Not, now. Well, here's, here's what
1: I always do when I get into that situation. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep talking about a, a thing which I wanted to say, and, and that'll make you think of it. And and I, what your job is to is to scream and interrupt me when your <laughs> thought comes back in your head. So for those of you listening at home, get those shot, get those frosty shoties ready. Yeah. To, and I it. think
0: it was. It may have been this, guy, uh, this uh, guy. I was I was in the middle of something. Peter. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that you were deliberately. Uh, let's move past it. Let's just talk about <laughs> just talk about scripts. I'm fucking over it. I'm no, fucking I was, done. I was doing better. Okay. It. Yeah. Did, did you
1: actually remember the thing you were gonna say?
0: Uh, I I think I did, but it, it, we we pretty much covered everything yeah. about finishing yeah. it versus not finishing. I think.
1: The yeah the the thing the only thing I was gonna add is like, for me I I'm gonna I'm gonna do the pass where, I make the changes that feel obvious to me that sort of makes it so all the scenes are pointing in the right direction. All the cat hair is going one way (laughs) and then, and then I'm going to send it to a big group of people and that's their opportunity to uh, notice things that I wouldn't have. That's that's why you show it to other people. They all have different perspectives. They're going to respond to different things. And when I get all of that feedback I'm going to aggregate it and think about it and decide what I think is valuable. And I think that once I implement those changes, I think that's when I'm done. Because I can't, in this moment, talking to you two, I can't think of anything else that I could do to make it better than that. Yeah. Like,
0: well, I'll put it this way. Um, I, uh, I, the last screenplay I finished, that's a feature screenplay. I would say got to a finished state about seven years ago. Right. I started writing it eight years ago. Right. And uh, I went through uh, basically the same, like as part of a screenwriting class, the same kind of process that we're going through now, uh, where there would be like five to ten pages and then feedback on those pages and et cetera, et cetera, and a feedback loop, not really changing the previous stuff too much, but writing it down and letting that guide the future. Right. Um and uh, so I did that, and then ended up with the finished first draft, and then I went through like five more drafts uh, of just little tweaks here and there uh, and showing it to different people sequentially rather than all in a group. because if it's all in a group, getting it at the same time, then um, they boring. might contradict each other and yeah. it can be overwhelming, you know. Like, oh, I think Yvonne should be like this. No, Yvonne should be like this instead. you know, well, what's it gonna be? You cut the baby in half at that point. Yeah, yeah, and uh, well, that's not that's famously not the solution <laughs> <laughs> And anyway, so then I i did that and then I took it to a, a an academic advisor and went through that process Sat on it for a while went through another couple little things And then I'm, I'm going into so much detail about this just to let you know that it was like Nightmarishly long of a process. It yeah. took uh, like a year and then the final draft that I have of it is from like early 2013 Which was just like a polish on the stuff from a year previous, right? Um, And uh, I, I haven't. I I remember thinking at the time, like, all right, I'm gonna set this down and put it in a drawer and come back to it if I need to. And I didn't read it until a week and a half ago. How is it? It's not very good. (laughs) It's not finished. (laughs) It's there's when I was reading it, I was feeling like there's a lot of things that I could change, but that it's not. The writer I am anymore right. to do that screenplay, yeah. so it's not worth changing, even if it's like could eventually be good somehow because it's not the kind of. But movie and you I'm also right.
2: bring up a good point with when you say that it's um, not the screenplay I want to make anymore, or not not the screenwriter I am anymore. And that's one thing about old ideas and going back to them is knowing and acknowledging when they can't be changed.
1: Yeah, right. because you're a completely different dude at this point. You know. Mm. Yeah the 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 most recent feature film that I wrote is also from I think maybe 2014 or 2015 and it's a I don't don't remember if you ever read that Evan a couple people read it but it's like it's like a Lovecraft sci-fi cosmic horror sort Mm -hmm. of thing um and uh it's definitely not very good and there's definitely some pretty easy changes that I could make to it at this point that would vastly improve it but I I sort of feel a similar way where it's like, I would, I'd rather, I'd rather just make something else that's better. Right. (laughs) Start, start something new. Yeah. Um, same thing with Awakeners, the last
2: script, the last feature that I wrote that went through a lot of drafts and finally got finished and I went back and I read it and I know there's things that I could change about it, but at the same time it's like, why? You know, like I'd rather, I'd rather invest in something new than
1: something that I've already done before. Here's, here's sort of a philosophical question, but that's also in a way a very practical real life question do you guys want to still be working on these screenplays off somewhere in 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 your life in your lives when we start the second season of this podcast or do you want do you want to be done with it and wherever it's at that's what we're living with
0: i really like this screenplay Mm -hmm. i had a lot of fun working on it and it came to me more naturally than most of my last several projects Mm -hmm. um so, I guess it'll just depend on what kind of legs it has. Like, if other people are liking it, yeah. and if other people want to see more, and other people are passionate about giving their feedback, then yes. But if other people are just like, oh, yeah, sorry, I'll, I'll get to it when I get to it, and it, no one gives a shit, <laughs> including me, then it'll kind of dim my enthusiasm for it.
2: Right. Uh, I explained my position last episode, but I'd rather move on to short stories and yeah. fiction. You're done writing screenplays, period. Yeah, at least for now. Yeah. Um, it's a, it was a great format. It was fun while it lasted, but I'd like to do straight fiction at this point. Yeah. maybe some poetry.
1: We'll yeah. see. Yeah. Okay. So, well, let's. Uh, I think on that note, Peter, let's let's uh let's hear about your your finished screenplay. All
0: right. Uh, <laughs> choice of words right there, very appropriate. You're completed. One hundred percent done. You're you
1: all the achievements got. All <laughs> Never the pigeons back found.
0: Yeah. Uh yeah. Uh, every shrine unlocked. All nine hundred
1: ninety nine uh, moons.
0: Uh, yeah, that's Super Mario Odyssey. There's, let's not get into it. Uh, so, I, uh, how did it go this week? I sat around thinking about what you guys said for how to get to the climax and how to finish it mm-hmm. and uh, just dwelled on it and ruminated yeah. on it for a while and then just kept avoiding writing, mm-hmm. even though I had time occasionally. Um, and then finally, I just, uh, this afternoon, I was like, all right, I have to do something. So I went and I got a Red Bull from Rite Aid, and then I uh, just drank it really quickly and just pounded out most of these pages, and then I took a little break, and then I pounded out the rest of the pages. And um, there's one thing philosophically that I think this movie, so far in this iteration, um, subverts more than anything else, which is that in movies about a conflict, or that involve a conflict with an actualized villain, like Mm -hmm. a literal character who is a villain, the point of that villain is that they don't change. Right. The other characters change around them, and the villain's inability to change is what leads to their downfall. Right. Uh, Aaron changes. Yeah, yeah. And
2: I, and I liked that. That's one of my notes, is that I love his change of heart. That it's it's neat that he uh, joins the team, so to speak. Yeah. That you only ever see that in Fast and Furious, when uh, like <laughs> Jason Statham becomes a good guy.
0: Oh, know? spoiler alert, man.
2: I'm sorry. <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw coming out this summer. <laughs> Shouldn't know by now. I,
0: I, yeah, I, I definitely should know. But by it's, now.
2: it's, it's cool because I, I like that he, not only did he have a change of heart but at the same time the characters were accepting of it. That they weren't like, oh, you're not allowed to do this. Get the fuck away from us. Yeah. It was more like, oh, we see you're genuinely doing something better. Let, let's allow you to help.
0: So in the outline, originally, when Greg gets to the top of the hill, he does his whole chase to the airport thing, mm-hmm. Aaron is waiting for him there, and he's just like, aha, I'm, I'm here. Fuck you, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I win and you don't, and ha ha But uh, the scene that I ended up going with was like, Aaron just going like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of lost right now. I don't know what, what happens. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Which kind of puts him into the position that Greg was in at the beginning of the movie. Right. Um. So I just uh, was not, I wasn't super pleased with the execution for part of it just because um, like there's this, there's the bit where it was Greg and Greg convinces Sammy to turn off her bunker or whatever. And uh, then they just come out and exchange. I love you. And I couldn't in my rush to get this done, find a way to write it that I was super satisfied with. But I think I, uh, having the non-confrontation confrontation confrontation was like the thing that i liked most about these pages so what do you guys think
2: um my only other note really is that uh, i want to see the the whole stop running thing i want to see it dawn on sammy like have that moment with her when she's like oh if i stop running i get it Mm
1: um but then yeah um i really really liked your final uh, I love I love them watching cartoons together. It's um, real sweet. Yeah, it's just it just felt really sweet. It felt satisfying. Watching cartoons on the couch feels like the perfect, uh, um, Synthesis. kind of yeah, exactly of of uh, of their two worldviews kind of coming together. Where and and also the fact that they're turning off like upsetting news in order to watch that, where they're like it, I don't know, it, it just felt great. It felt like they're growing. It felt like they're becoming healthy. I loved how. Much of the ending of this was about being healthy, yeah, um, but in the real way,
0: yeah. Yeah. Also, it's I'd be interested to hear what you guys think about tell don't show, but science. I can tell that
1: I cut you off accidentally. So, oh no,
0: yeah.
1: Um, The I think that in a subsequent draft, you're going to find a better way to get Aaron to that hilltop than the flashback. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, to me, that felt like something that came in there because you you needed to get it in and you liked some of the notes that we got last week but they were sort of four things that were happening last week and
2: yeah. I, I, it felt yeah. a little easy or a little pat but at the same time it's something you see all the time so it's like it, it worked but it didn't feel motivated because you didn't have anything similar to it in the previous like 90 pages you know what i
1: mean i think yeah. the stuff that happens in the flashback is is all, all works great right um I think that having it appear in the form of a flashback didn't, that didn't quite work for me. Um, but, you know, it's either, either, you know, that, th- that feels like, that feels like something which will kind of naturally work itself out right. as you, as you work on this more. Um,
0: the difficulty there just really quickly yeah, yeah. was I've, f- I felt like Aaron being on the hilltop was going to be a surprise to Greg. Right. And if it's a surprise to Greg, but like not a surprise to the audience, then we we kind of lose the POV, you know? Right. right. Uh, so I was just trying to figure out a way to do it. And I just settled on like the originally it was just Aaron monologuing and then I was like, "Eh, that sucks. So
1: (laughs) scenes of what he's doing. I think so so the I think the that's sort of a very a very technical note. I think that the the real note is about sort of Aaron's Aaron's place in this part of the screenplay. And I think that what that specifically ties to is Aaron's threat. Um, I think that, I really like the, when, when, I, when I first read it, my, my initial thought was Aaron should be a lot more threatening in this scene because he, he hasn't, he doesn't really have any intention to do Greg harm. He doesn't really have a plan. I mean, the, the, the closest he gets to a threat is, I blamed you. I told the angry mob that, that you were... I used you as a scapegoat. But they're not here anymore. They kind of already dissipated. They came to the bunker and they were going to break in, but then they just sort of didn't because it was really hard. So, like, it feels like he gives us a reason for why he's going to be very threatening and then explains why actually he isn't really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to me, the, the obvious note was, oh, well, you, you need to come up with a way to make him more threatening. But hearing you talk about the subversion of that with it sort of being a non-confrontation. I was really into that. So I think my new note would be make the scene instead of it being a, he is villainous in a way that doesn't end up manifesting as a threat. I think, I think you should make this the text of the scene about Aaron's change and about it should, instead of listen, I won, you lost, uh, I got everything that I wanted, uh, but to, to talk to me about what you want. Um, <laughs> I think that it would be, you know, it should be something like, "I need your help, Greg," or hmm. "What's your deal, Greg?" Like, or it it should it should it should be a see like like the reason Aaron could be on that hill is could be because he feels lost, like instead of him directing the angry mob towards greg which is a a pretty you know a very gaston thing that's very specifically what i told you to do last (laughs) week if if the conclusion is going to be them sort of having a coming to an understanding about each other in that moment rather than it being a big gastoni kill the beast thing then you know it, it could be he 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 gets what he wants and it turns like we see him with the angry mob and we see him realize that this sucks and this isn't what I wanted. And then we see him, Greg shows up at the bunker and there he is. And he's like, I don't get you. Yeah. How are you happier than me? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. You know what I
0: was really thinking of? Uh, okay, the next, the next 30 seconds to a minute will spoil Avengers Endgame if you haven't uh, seen it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so turn off this podcast and then, uh, I don't know. Uh, so don't
2: don't turn off the podcast. We need the we need the listeners.
1: <laughs> Avengers on Game is doing fine. Yeah, we're doing we're, fine. We're,
2: we're trying to get undies <laughs> to support us.
1: <laughs> Stamps.com. Did you, did you know that there was Stamps still? <laughs>
0: NordVPN, free your porn. Um, so uh when they confront Thanos at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. and he's like I I won. It's over. Do whatever you want to me. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not exactly the same text or even the same subtext, but Aaron is like, at this point he's, he's done the snap, you know, he's like, I did it. Uh, everyone is going crazy over there and I don't have a purpose anymore. I don't know what to do. You know, uh, with Thanos, it's like he had its distinct end game, so to speak. Uh, this whole plan of like, I will retire and it'll be fine and whatever. But Aaron just didn't think that far ahead.
1: Right. Um, um, something was just popped into my head. i can give it to you bad. Uh, what if Aaron goes? What if he's not there to talk to Greg? What if he's there to talk to Sammy? And when Greg gets there, instead of Aaron being like, oh, "I was wondering when you'd show up," what if Aaron is going like, "Sammy, bup, 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 bup. Sammy, can you please tell me what to do?" <laughs> or like, you know, or or something like that. that. Where and and then the conflict in that scene becomes who is going to be able to get her to come out? Yeah, and that when it's, it's posed as Aaron is, is sure he's going to be able to convince him to come out. And then when Greg does it and he doesn't, and then that's sort of like his, Aaron's moment of change. And that's his like, you know, and, and I, and I really, and once Sammy comes out, I love the dialogue with Aaron. Like, I think that all works really well. Yeah. Cool. Um, The other
2: one was that uh, the Juice Co. sign. I'd like to see it replaced with something like Greg's Moonshine or
0: something like that. I thought about that. Literally, the only reason it doesn't say that is just because I thought signs take a long time to make.
2: Maybe (laughs) it would be like
0: a plastic sign or like a banner instead of like a full on sign. Right? Yeah, where it's
1: just like or just Uh chalk on the walls. Yeah. Um, I I had I had one one final question. Sure. Which is. To me, at this point, it feels a little bit unclear what the movie's stance on symbiotes is. Because at the beginning of the movie, our two heroes are very anti symbiote mm-hmm. Our kind of move into act three is the villain of the movie killing all the symbiotes. And that sort of becomes a twist where we, we, we feel sympathetic towards them and we feel bad for them. And the first place my mind would go with that would be it's, it's a twist the characters change by the end of the movie they actually want to help the symbiotes as it stands it feels like in the end of the movie it's like well most of the symbiotes are dead and our characters don't really seem to care one way or the other they're just kind of like well we're sharing a planet now and whatever case sera sera baby <laughs> um what if the aliens came back and we're like, what the fuck?
0: That's for the sequel. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nah, I'm just um, well,
1: and I and I have I have thoughts on stuff that you could do with that. But before I, I get into that, I want to know, like, like for you, what what does this movie have to say about symbiotes?
0: So I think um, the, the symbiote is literally and figuratively you giving up your free will to be a better person. Right. And um, f- for almost everyone, that is not the move. That is not the wave. It is. Right. Uh, it it's. It's one way to go, but it's like, it it's just doesn't fit for most people because most people value their free will inherently more than, than anything else, really. Um, so the characters in this movie kind of come to this, this realization. They've, they've been stubbornly anti-symbiote for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they come to realize that like that is the way for most people. And by people relying on symbiotes rather than coexisting with them, the symbiotes become like parasites more or less. Uh, I even toyed with the saying in the news report at the end, the parasites instead of the symbiotes. Right. But for some people who really can't control themselves, like Judy, Mm -hmm. Judy still has a symbiote at the end. Um, It's like, if that is what it is for you, then we will coexist with you. Right. Um, Just don't try and kill us off this time. Yeah, yeah, it's like a, don't kill us, we won't kill you. Uh, <laughs> Mutu- it's not mutually assured destruction, it's, it's, it's a, just... An...
2: It's a symbiotic relationship, let's say. Ah, yeah. there you go. Ah. There you go.
0: So, yeah, it's like, you'll notice that um, the receptionist in the Juice Co. factory now is the girl who worked the symbiote stand at the mall right. earlier. Uh, what I was trying to get across there was... Uh, even if there are more symbiotes, which it was never answered del- deliberately, if, right. if they find more or if they didn't do anything with them, even if there are more, there's no demand for them anymore.
2: Right. I see. Yeah.
0: Uh, so people across the world like have pendulumed from the side of being totally reliant on them to the side of like uh, okay. just totally despondent without them. And now they're kind of relaxing into the middle ground of like, oh, that's cool. let's, let's live and let live. Yeah. Right. Does that answer your question?
1: Uh, it, it definitely answers my question about sort of what how you how you have been thinking about this. It, it definitely felt unclear to me reading it, mm-hmm. um, and the the couple of things which popped into my head for for wh- things that could maybe communicate that in a more clear way would be um, like if if uh, you know if if there if there was some something where it's like okay so when we were the only people uh and everyone else was a symbiote we felt really scared and oppressed so now that it's mostly people and there's only a few symbiotes left it's really important to us that they not feel scared and and oppressed and like like there could be something where like you know we, we some line of dialogue or something where greg's at work and someone's like this is terrible. Don't do this. But someone's like, "Hey, the new guy. I think he might be a wormy. Do you want me to get him?" And Greg's like, <laughs> "We don't use that word." Whoa, whoa, whoa! Listen. If as long as listen, I don't, I don't care what's in your brain. As long as you're getting the work done, you know, I, you know. That, again, that's terrible. Don't ever do that. But, but you could do something like that. Um,
0: I think that what it, I try. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. The,
1: the other thing which which popped into my head when you were describing how sort of what this means to you and how how you sort of see the healthy option is, is peacefully coexisting where we have things to offer each other rather than we control you. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where this fits in to the end of your movie, but if there was something where like, I, I'm going to give it to you bad where it's Greg, it probably shouldn't be Greg, but like they're happy. He's the CEO of beer co. He got <laughs> the girl, everything's great. And then he's like, <sighs> she's like, Hey, did you, did you, did you do the taxes? And he's like, God, the taxes yet and she's like okay well just you know when it's due so i don't need to there's nothing i need to say to you just make sure it gets done and greg's like okay and he like goes down to the basement and there's like a vat with some worms in there and he's like hey guys how you doing and he, like, he just sprinkles little feet and he's like all right it's time to do taxes and like yeah. the worm goes in and then he like does the taxes and the worm goes out. he's like all right here you go i'll see you next year or something <laughs> where it's like i mean that's the sean of the dead ending where it's yeah, like there's yeah. sort of a gruesome grotesque but like weirdly touching way that these two very different things are, are cohabitating. Um, that might not be for this screenplay. Uh, but it, it would it would to me that would be a very clear communication that the relationship between these two species has changed and it's healthier now. Where, where, where there's both parties are clearly getting something of value out of the relationship.
0: That's that's a really good point. Uh, I think one rule that has been hard and fast throughout the movie that it might be interesting to twist or change is uh once a symbiote is in your brain, it won't come out unless you kill it. Right. That has been the case for the whole movie. If symbiotes can go into your brain and come out of your brain at the end of the movie, that means the symbiotes know something, that they can communicate with each other, that they can learn and grow from this whole experience that they've been through of nearly being wiped out.
1: Right.
0: So I think that's super cool. I, I agree that it probably shouldn't be Greg who does it. Yeah. But uh Maybe I think Aaron? that, yeah, maybe Aaron. Yeah, Aaron, something Aaron
1: would yeah. do. And and that could be that could be a fun scene where Aaron's like, "I just need this extra little but, boost." <laughs> or, or, or or there could be some problem he has where he's like, "Hey, Greg, can I can I talk to you, man?" He's like, "There's this girl. She's really cute. I just don't have. I don't have. The, I don't have the balls, man. I don't have the guts to talk to her." And Greg's like, "Okay, well, I, I can uh, I can arrange something for you if you want." He's like, "I'm scared to go back." And Greg's like, "Listen, we'll make sure that one way or the other." Uh, you get what you want out of this and if, if we have to if we have to sneak a little vodka into your drink then we'll do, you know, I don't know that's <laughs> yeah, not yeah, do, don't, don't do that right, don't do that right. because like, then it kills the symbiote and it right. undermines the point exactly <laughs> yeah we have yeah, something where it like you see Greg sort of supportively saying to somebody like listen like I can help you do the hard thing that you need to do if you want but also if you need to if you need to spend some time with a symbiote in order to get this done like I support that too you know I don't know it's a possibility
0: what's, what's the line from the Simpsons uh uh, abortions for all boo abortions for none boo abortions for some tiny american flags for others Yay. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um, Okay. i uh, think does anyone have anything else or should we be moving my up? my final Chuming.
2: thought on the ending was uh oh <laughs> yeah like right when i read it i was just like oh that's sweet yeah i, oh, like, just, I like the whole like looney tunes callback and shit because really they like, both
0: uh, watch looney tunes independently and they share it? it do
1: you get it i like it uh the, the 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 final thought I have is is congratulations man yeah well, well you. Man. I, I hope you feel really proud of this word I do yeah. nah. so for now I'm gonna start hating it pretty soon but hell yeah then, that's all being a writer yeah. yeah well then then enjoy it as long as as you can because uh Thanks. it's it's not in any way easy to get from one end to the other of a screenplay and I, I hope you feel really good about it
0: I do I do I do all right
1: all right Q P there's still time baby
0: there's
2: still time. Uh, so yeah I changed a little bit in that first scene and then wrote the next few um I'm worried that that Cosmo thing's a little long but it feels like it needs to happen um and I think the biggest struggle this week was simply just trying to get it done yeah because um, I knew the trajectories I knew what was going on and just that kind of thing but um I don't know I wanted I wanted more out of these scenes I feel like and I didn't get what I was looking for um but I want to hear your, your guys' thoughts on just how it's going. I mean, this is kind of the end of the movie. This is kind of where everything right. ends, especially with Rebecca and Jordan and, and the the drama between Cosmo and Lena ends. And the job interview is what I want you guys to focus most on is because how do you make a scene like that interesting at all?
1: You know? um, okay, well, so I, I, I have thoughts on all three of these scenes. Um, yes. The, to, to, to go in brief, um, I really liked the Rebecca and Jordan scene. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it reminded me of some stuff that we'll get into later, but I, I think it's a really strong scene. Um, uh, I think that the Cosmo and Lana scene is sort of trying to be two things at the same time, and I'd oh, be yeah. interested to hear which one okay. you want it to be. Yeah, yeah. But getting into the interview scene, um, I really like the idea that this is the scene where the egg gets cracked for, um, why can't I remember his name? Is it Steve? Yeah. Jesus Christ, I'm so sorry. 16 weeks. uh, Where the egg finally gets cracked for Steve. Um, I mean, it feels like this should be the moment where, because the last scene he had, he's been spending the whole movie wishing he was dating this girl, and she touches his hand and he's like, this is actually not the right thing to do. Right. This isn't. There's there's something wrong about this. Now, did and,
2: you Did you guys like how I ended that scene instead?
1: Um, I think I think the line so, I don't want to just be a rebound feels a little first drafty, but uh-huh. I think that the intention and the action of the scene yeah. of it almost turns into a sweet intimate moment, and 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 it doesn't, and it doesn't for the right reasons. Uh-huh. I really liked that. And right. I think that's I would I would agree. Like yeah, yeah, exactly yeah.
0: with that, where it's just like. I think his reason for turning down Rebecca in that moment isn't just because of the rebound factor. Uh-huh. I think it's because he's realized that uh, he needs to focus on himself uh-huh. uh, for, for once and that he is not. What he thought he wanted isn't what he wanted, or what he needed, rather. Right, exactly and uh rebuffing rebecca in some way is what he needs to do in that moment mm-hmm. but saying just that will i think kind of make rebecca feel shitty you know, <laughs> in a way that is
1: not quite intended yeah 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 might, might be unrecoverable
0: um
1: so for for the interviews so, yeah so I, so so given that like there was sort of a false victory in the Rebecca scene. Like, it seemed like, oh, is we going to get the treasure? And then it's like, we isn't. <laughs> um, I think that, the, I, I really like the idea that, okay, so so we thought the treasure was him and Rebecca getting together, but the actual treasure is him learning something about himself and and un- uncovering something important. I think that the ways that you make the interview seem really interesting, and I think what it, what works about it at the uh-huh. moment, and, and the sort of gold vein that you should tap into and kind of cultivate more of is Steve discovering something new yeah. about himself in the course of that scene. Mm-hmm. There being a change like a like a at the beginning of the scene Steve is one way and by the end of the scene he's another way. Mm-hmm. And the the sort of it starts out as a job interview and it turns into a personal epiphany and whether or not he gets the job is not really relevant. Right. It's about the personal discovery. Mm-hmm. And in a way, I, I almost feel like him getting the job almost undermines right. the important thing which is happening, which is which is the personal discovery. Like, in some ways, I feel like the scene almost would function better. If, I don't know if he gets the job or not. I kind of assume he does because at the end, he was like, you're a hell of a soldier. <laughs> but th- the I almost feel like it, the scene would function better if it was like, Tell me, tell me about your background, son, like how'd you get into the ball? And he's like, overshare like starts out as like very factual and then slowly it's like oh my god like i can't commit to anything and i feel like the universe is happening to me and like like my i i have never felt like i'm in control of anything except watching baseball and like the reason i love watching baseball so much is because there's distinctive rules and like i i know which pitcher throws the best and i don't know that if i really you know and the guy's like okay well you seem like you're in a place (laughs) 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 um and then he's like I'm sorry, I gotta go. Don't do that. But like, yeah, yeah. you know, the the sort of that's I think how you make the scene uh-huh. sparkle. Sparkle exactly is is it it not having it be about an interview for baseball. Yeah, whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. The thing, is, like the way that the scene is written currently, he opens up right away. Right. Like the the interview asks him, like, so how did you get into baseball? Well, my dad left, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I think that. Um, I, I agree with Silas where it's, like, uh, he's he's been through a lot by this point in the movie, you know. We've seen him travel the emotional spectrum. And at this point, like, he's barely holding it together, so it's okay that you get to it quickly. Uh-huh. But there has to still be that moment of guard, I think. Yeah. Where he's, like, this is... Well, I, I'm in, I like baseball because I like the way that they hit it and throw it good. And then he's, like, oh, well... And then the interviewer can maybe not be satisfied with that. He's like, "Well, tell me how. Like, when did you start watching the game, or whatever? Well, I watched it with my dad. And my dad left, and uh, and, and then that kind of started a chain of events that I never recovered from. And... It, it could be like,
1: oh, I watched it with my dad. Ah, oh, so your pops a big baseball guy, is he? Well, uh, yeah, he was. I mean, he didn't really stick around. Oh, yeah. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, though. I mean, honestly, that's kind of why I got you know, and then it's yeah. like yeah, that. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. But uh, I I think that it's great that. Steve finally opens up. This is like your Academy Award scene. <laughs> this is like what they'll show in the, in the reel for the actor for Steve. Uh-huh. You know? Where, um, like, uh, one thing that is critical about it is that the two characters in it have completely different objectives that are not uh, perpendicular. Right. Which is rare in a good conflict scene. Because a conflict scene is often like a confrontation or whatever. Where it's like, I want this. I want the opposite thing. We have to go fight, fight, fight. Yeah. In this scene, the interviewer just wants to know if this guy is the right person for the job. Steve needs to figure out his entire life. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like they're coming in at different angles, kind of thing. Uh Um, And uh, it's interesting that it happens in the context of a job interview. I find that oftentimes um, we open up the most to people that we know we're not going to see again.
2: Yeah, exactly. You
0: know? And um, where it's like, i remember going to like a wedding or something and just like talking somebody's ear off about my relationship history and then i was like why the fuck did i do that i'm like oh because i'm never gonna see them again you know exactly uh and i just needed to get it out and for steve it's i think kind of the same thing you know where he's uh really sharing of himself in a way that indicates that like it doesn't matter to him if he gets the job or not Uh because this has been this interview has been hyped up for a while yeah, you know, we, he's he's brought it up a couple times. His boss mentioned it. It's like, this is your chance, buddy.
2: Yeah.
0: And uh, him realizing who he is is more important to him at this point in the movie than whether or not he gets this job. Right. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, As
0: for the other two scenes, um, I think Silas has got some stuff to say. I
1: and do. I've got I got some other stuff to say. All right. Let's go, Silas. Um, so, I have. I think I would say less to say about the Rebecca and Jordan scene. So I'm going to start with that. Um, I, so what I really like about this is I think that this is, this sort of scene has been on my mind a lot recently because I just watched the show Fleabag. Mm -hmm. And one of the, I highly recommend it. It's it's 12 episodes of 20 minutes each and they're all absolutely fantastic. Um, One of, a dynamic, which is a a really important B story throughout the show is a super, super, super toxic relationship that keeps... Almost ending and never quite does and the show does a really amazing job at communicating why both of these people are staying in this shitty relationship and so whenever they have a conflict where they're really going at it and they're really saying how they feel there's always this ghost in the room which is but is this going to be enough to get them to break apart Mm. because we know exactly why what yeah. they are each getting out of the relationship and it, and are they going to be strong enough. Um, this scene really reminded me of Fleabag. Oh. Um, in that I feel like this scene does a really good job of laying bare exactly what it is about each of these people that is making this relationship toxic, particularly with Jordan. Yeah, um, I feel like you could lean... It felt like there wasn't as much threat that they would get back together, which to me feels like one hundred percent the reason this scene is in the movie. Yeah, is it's a it's one last chance yeah. for them to get back together, and if there is no possibility that they're going to get back together, this scene is two lines long.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but that being said, I feel like this this is sort of the the clearest portrait of Jordan. I think we got an all movie. And oh, I think it's really, really strong. Um, I I love the when he retorts with like how close he came to leaving her yeah. before. I thought that was great. <laughs> and what I, I I think it's great because it's such a shitty thing to to say yeah. in general. But I also think it's great because I think it's to me it felt really clear that he was saying that to bring her down and to make her feel small and um. to take her power away from her and that he's doing that because he wants her to stay
2: yeah
1: like and that just feels so ugly and <laughs> and it's uh, like he's
0: yeah. saying you can't fire me I quit but you're not actually trying to quit yeah yeah, you yeah. you're just like y- you can't fire me you just don't have the power I could quit whenever I wanted you know yeah um, yeah can I see what, what the scene reminded me of please the um Avengers and the... <laughs> Avengers Endgame <laughs> yeah Uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home, uh, which is not out yet uh, as of this recording. No, the uh, the dinner scene in La La Land. Never saw. There's a silence. Did you see La La Land? I did see
1: La La Land. I don't remember which dinner scene you're talking about, but I'm sure I will.
0: The dinner scene towards the end of La La Land, where uh, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling are. They they they've been living together for a while. They're just having one last dinner to kind of make it work. And it's the scene where they break up, like, finally. Because there's been, like, consideration that they're going to break up, but now it's like they're trying to do something good for each other, and neither of them do it right at all. Right. Um, which is not what your scene is about. Your scene is about two people, or one person is trying to leave the other, and the other person is trying to get them to stay, but just ah. out of a very poisonous reason where yeah. it's just like, I just can't be alone, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's the same kind of vibe where it's like... Um, these two people have, are like, have been kind of shitty the whole time. Rebecca, not so much. Jordan, definitely. Um, but like, we choose one to identify with, and then the other one is like, "Just fuck you, get out of here!" Like, what, why can't you leave and let the other person live? And uh, Lime La La gets a lot of shit, but I think that one scene is actually really, really good. Yeah. And I would encourage you to to watch the whole movie and just to get to that one scene. And also the scene where they dance at the Griffith Park. That's nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, like a good breakup scene is hard to do because people are it, like real breakups are often like the end of a shitty relationship where no one is happy. And then when it finally happens, they're like, oh, thank God. But breakups in movies with character conflicts are like entirely different beasts. Right. And this is about as different a beast as you're going to see. Yeah, and I think you uh, you handled it quite well.
1: Okay. Um, you said that you, you you sort of only have a few more scenes left, and and one thing which occurred to me is if the intention, if the tension here that this scene introduces into the movie is is Rebecca gonna be brave enough to leave this shitty relationship? Yeah. All you really need to do is like one two four line scene with no dialogue where we see Rebecca being homeless for a second, <laughs> whatever that looks like, if she's like. Yeah. Checking into a motel, or if she sleeps in her car, or like whatever, like the fact that she just lost her house. If there's just one moment where she's like, "Holy shit, this makes my life complicated and hard," yeah. Even if it's just a moment, then we're gonna be like, "Oh no, is yeah. she gonna be? Is she gonna do the right thing? Or is she gonna do the easy thing?" Um, and I think if you if you had a little moment like that, uh uh-huh. then I don't think you would you know, need to adjust anything in this scene. Uh to have that full like tension if that's if that is your intention
2: it's almost like she just shows up at her parents house and just like
1: oh yeah oh
0: no
1: yeah which is also just a great image in a movie about people struggling to grow up and struggling to become the adults they want to be moving back in with your parents is a that's a great a great little just visual like yeah this isn't what you wanted (laughs) is this the
0: last time we see jordan yes that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he burns the bridge to the only character that gave a shit about him uh-huh. real hard at the end of the scene. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's, a,
1: it's a great ending for this <laughs> character. Like, yeah.
0: It's also the only scream of the movie so far, which I think, if yeah. I recall correctly. yeah. Which is, you know, it's like when uh, at the, the MTV Unplugged for Nirvana in the 90s. like He just did, you know, kind of quiet little ballads the whole time and then when it was time to do his last song he screamed his fucking head off it works really well to have that dynamic yeah
1: know. yeah cool um, Cosmo and Lena Lena yeah. Lena, Lena. Lena. Um, so okay I I feel like in this scene there's two things which are happening which are both valid and in my opinion are mutually exclusive uh-huh. the first is Cosmo finally atones for mm-hmm. his sins yeah. he shows up and he's like so I so the, the one thing is I did fuck up <laughs> um, yeah. And their story gets to end because their story has been about that conflict. And right. he, he sort of gets to be a character in this movie who who moves on and grows and, and gets to have a happy life. Yeah. Um, the other thing which is happening here is they having just gone through a really intense, difficult, painful conflict have just gone through something traumatic. And so that is bringing them closer together. They're like, oh, we just remembered what's really important. We can be light and jokey because we both have this understanding that our priorities are straightened out. The jokey, cute, snuggly energy for me does not work with the Cosmo atoning for his sins energy. Okay, Because... Cosmo says some really selfish stuff in this ah. scene. Um, like, so he's, he's like an alcoholic who's been like doing some really fucked up stuff in this relationship. And he's like, yeah, but like, he's like, why does it have to be all my fault? It's like, well, you're the alcoholic, my man. <laughs> like, um, and I think that if, it's a very long scene, as you said. I think if this is staring into the darkness. This is Cosmo saying like I I fucked up and I need you to know I need you to tell me how I can make it better and Lena's is mm-hmm. like no you need to figure this out for yourself. Right. I am not I, I like I'm not your mom. Yeah. Uh, come back when you're an adult. Then this scene gets to be very long. It should be very long. Yeah. And, and it should be very Cold and dour yeah. and upsetting. It should be a gut punch. It Superman. should not be snuggly and kissy. It should be Batman versus Superman. It it should be come back yeah. when you're grown.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, if this scene is snuggly and kissy, and we we're both on the same page, wow. this was awful and dramatic. And and I am I am grown. <laughs> like yeah. This scene can be extremely short, and not yeah. a lot needs to be said. Okay. I think both of those are great scenes. I think both of those have a place in this movie right here. Uh And I personally think that it should be one or the other. And that if if she if they're snuggly and kissy after he has stared into the darkness and sort of admitted, like admitted to being a really, really bad part of this relationship, Uh if she's then like, hurry up, mister, (laughs) mama wants a baby, (laughs) then it's like. He's not going to learn anything from this. Like yeah. the message she's sending him is like, listen, you gotta stop being an alcoholic, but like, don't stop having that cute butt. <laughs> like, it's a strange dynamic to yeah, say yeah, the way, yeah. if, if that's what it is. Okay. Yeah, um, because he's not he's not suffering any kind of a consequence right. for his choices. He still gets to struggle with his cute wife, which is all yeah. he ever wanted in the first place. Right, uh, Peter.
0: Yeah, so I think um, the tone of the scene is kind of strange because. Uh, well, Cosmo's tone, really, and then Lena's tone separately from that. They're strange in different ways to me. Uh, I agree with what Silas is saying, where it's one or the other. I would definitely, uh, I would lean towards the, the first of the two options, uh-huh. uh, where it's like a cold gut punch. Because yeah. um, we have to see who learns and grows and who doesn't. Jordan doesn't learn and grow. Rebecca learns and grows. Steve clearly learns and grows. Cosmo and Lena... I'm not sure yet, yeah, I think that uh, the the way that I lean towards uh, interpreting the scene is like um, Cosmo and Lena do learn and grow but at great cost right uh, and uh, I think the the way that you have a happy ending for them in a kind of paradoxic way is by having them suffer a lot. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And Cosmo, like this, the way it is now, where it's just like you know, Cosmo says, like, "Hey, I'm sorry, baby," and yeah, you know, <laughs> let me put my dick in you, whatever. And she's like, "Oh, Cosmo," always with the life altering problems and the jokes. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of it's kind of playing it both ways. Uh-huh. Yeah,
1: and I I think that if we if we if we see them if the camera sort of slowly zooms out on them snuggling in the hospital bed. We as an audience, having seen their scenes for the rest of the movie, are think, oh, they're doomed. Yeah. Because these problems are not going to go away. Mm-hmm. If we see him walk out of that, if they don't physically touch in this scene and he walks out with his tail between his leg- like legs, his head down, th- what I'm thinking is like, oh, they have a chance. Uh-huh. Because that's what you look like when you're learning something. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what learning looks like is... Head down, shoulders up. Physical pain. Yeah, Ex- yeah. yeah p- pain. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld has a great quote, which is, "Pain is information entering the brain as quickly as possible." <laughs> <laughs> I think about that a lot. Wow. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, I would. Uh, the only other thing I would have to say about this is um, that uh, as I'm a comedy writer, and uh, I tend to write jokes into almost every scene, no matter how dark it is, just as matter of course. Right. I don't think that you have that same impulse uh-huh. that I do. But Cosmo is a jokey character right. throughout this movie. Um the hardest thing to do with him uh or for him also is make him not be funny. Right. And right. uh I think that uh you kind of leaned into what his characterization was up until this point and that mm-hmm. was one of the things that made the scene difficult I was see. thinking like, "Oh, Cosmo's got to be funny because that's how Cosmo is." When, it's, it's, it's how Cosmo is most of the time. Yeah. But when confronted with something really difficult, it may not be what he's like in that, in that moment. Or Maybe he can try at first, it doesn't work, and then he yeah. has to learn or not learn. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Cool. cool. That's, that's all I got. Uh, yeah. I'm going to pause it for a second, just because I have to pee like a horse. So, uh, tell me about your busted-ass future. It reminds me of Brazil.
1: Well, wait, wait, wait. Are we recording? We are. Okay, writing. well, well the, the last thing to say before uh, we move on to my busted-ass future is, Evan... Mm-hmm. We are 15 weeks in. Yeah. You are one week away from uh, completing the first draft of your screenplay. How do you feel?
2: Shitty. Just I don't know. Like I I I'm I'm proud of it. I'm proud that I was able to make something out of it because I was so defensive and cagey at the beginning that like this is gonna work. This is gonna work. You just have to trust the process, kind of thing, and it worked. But at the same time, I just I don't feel like it's done yet. You know, and I don't know if I want to finish it. You know so I'm just kind of like I'm in a weird weird place right now with it Right. but I'm happy that I got another one done you know Yeah. I'm happy that it happened
1: well uh, yeah I guess what I want to say is uh, you know whatever you choose to do with this once wow. you write the last couple of scenes uh, I hope you're really really proud of this because yeah. same thing I said to Peter it is really hard to get <laughs> one end of the screenplay to another yeah exactly and, uh, like yeah I just I hope you feel really good about this
0: yeah there's a um, a uh, There's this guy named Yahtzee, Ben Yahtzee-Croshaw, who does video game reviews, and he challenged himself recently to make 12 small indie games in 12 months. They're all just little tiny game jam games. There's not much to them. But in his introductory video to the whole series, to the whole concept, he had this thing that was like, people who consider themselves, a lot of people consider themselves creative. I think you're only really allowed to call yourself a creative if you finish projects. Right. Anyone can start a project. A creative is someone who... Finishes. ...gets to fade out. Right. So, uh, that's, you know... Not everyone can write a screenplay. Not everyone has written a screenplay. Right. And you're about to get there, and you should feel great about it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, my busted-ass future.
0: <laughs> Can we change the name uh, of your
1: screenplay to My Busted-Ass Future? Uh, my, uh, only if it's my so-called busted-ass future. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, how did I What did I want to accomplish, and how did I feel like I did? Um, I didn't get as much done as I would have liked. Uh, we kind of already touched on that. Um, I... The, the demon on my shoulder for these pages has 100 percent been length yeah i am super paranoid about length i want it to be emotionally satisfying and compelling and earned and also i don't want to have a 140 page screenplay um i also sort of feel like better to just write it and have it be long and i can always i can always condense it later mm-hmm. uh like, if I spend, if every word that I type, I'm trying to think of ways to use less words, it's not going to end up being that good. Um, there, that being said, there's some world building stuff that I feel really good about, and there is some places where I condensed that I feel really good about. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the kind of. I'm still not sure about the introductory, sort of cold open two scenes, um, and I'm not sure about flora bumping into victoria i'm not sure if that quite works yet but um the stuff in the middle of just kind of flora's routine i feel pretty good about um but i'm 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 curious to hear your guys thoughts um honestly i like
2: that she gets fired that wasn't in the outline right
1: it wasn't and she doesn't technically get fired but she definitely is
2: like gets kicked out she
1: gets she gets sent home and that was
2: not yeah sent home with no money and i like that because it raises the stakes um, and it really sets the table really well for everything and like what's at stake here that kind of thing um, the Flora Victoria thing that whole meetup did mm-hmm. not feel inorganic it seemed like something that was happenstance enough that was just like could happen
1: okay.
2: um, and, I, and I liked it because it's like Flora seems like the type that would help out an elderly woman trying to get into the complex you know
1: Right.
2: Um, but the one thing that stuck out to me about it all was that the black to silver Orpheum needs to be explained more explicitly okay um, because I think that however it works out, having that dusty bottle of black Orpheum that she has is representative of her dreams never being fulfilled into silver Orpheum.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think
2: that that, that will be missed on most people if it isn't more explicit, that, like, that gets explained a little more.
1: Okay.
0: I had a thought on um, the opening scene. I, I would agree with you that it's a little, the, the cold open is a little unclear mm-hmm. exactly what's going on. Um,
1: it's a lot of talking too. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's, long scene.
0: There's, there's a. To me, my issue with it is that it's like, first of all, these characters come in. We don't really know who they are or if they will come to play, come into play again. You right. know, we just know that these are the characters who are here that we're seeing right now. And then we switch to someone else for a while. And then I'm thinking, if I'm an audience member, like, what happened to those guys? Right. Are they just like the the goons? Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I mean, hopefully they would be played by famous people, so we wouldn't <laughs> assume that it would be something else. But, yeah. you know, um, I agree on the, the black to silver Orpheum thing. One smaller note is um, it seems that Xavier Wilhelm is like a celebrity Orpheum director. Right. right? He's, he's A-lister, more or less. Right. Um, why is he the one that goes under? He seems like it seems like they know that this is very risky, right? And his brain and body are the most valuable thing that they have control over. So, why would they risk that on this process? Is it because
1: he's the only one who can do it? Um, yeah, I mean, when I, I mean, the reason I wrote it that way is because uh, he's the most narratively important character in that scene, and so I wanted to draw more attention to him, but I mean, it, yeah, it doesn't really make sense, it, it should probably have been Margot, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean I guess the the, uh, the the other narrative reason is he's the only person there who knows how to render Orpheum who isn't Victoria. Because Victoria I've created a rule that she can't anymore. Yeah. Um or else bad things happen. Yeah, I don't know, she should probably be Victoria and then her we, tremor gets worse or, Yeah, like, that's we, like we, the last time. Yeah, yeah that would be an opportunity to express
2: why she can't do it. Yeah. You know, because it's like she comes out and she's just like uh, right. Like a prostitute with palsy.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, that makes a lot, that makes I think, you know, be make a lot more sense. Uh,
2: yeah, because you want to you're you're right though, Peter. You want to protect your most important personal asset, kind of thing.
0: Who was the the star of old Hollywood in the 30s or 40s who put out a million dollars on insurance policy on her legs? Oh yeah, I think it was Betty um, Davis. I think it
1: was Betty Davis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, it seems like you know Xavier is their golden
1: ticket, right, and if they lose
0: him, then it's fucked. It's over. <laughs> right. Oh shit! He died. So uh, yeah, that
1: makes that yeah that, that's a completely legitimate note. Um,
0: so in a future draft, uh, not just that, but also like um, you, you don't have to explain the whole rules of Orpheum here. Yeah. But what you do have to do is show why it's very risky. Uh, we just see Xavier go in for a second, come out, and then we don't know exactly what he went through in there. I remember in your outline. Uh, he envisioned it or we saw it from his POV yeah that's not necessarily something you have to do here but y- y- you do have to do something I think where it's like uh, you know the person comes out from under the orphan and they're like I've seen incredible things yeah. right. I've lived a thousand yeah. lifetimes
1: I've seen the devil <laughs> yeah um, you know. I've seen I, the devil stick well in my in my outline they tested on a rat at first right and, and that just wait that took so many scenes I just, I just has <laughs> created, created so many scenes if they haven't tested it on a person yet um, and then I, I i i never actually wrote this into an outline but i thought about a scene where a character who will never be seen again tries it and gets like jacked up and yeah. and really really fucked up and i like that except like that is a really harsh way to meet these people if it's like they basically just killed someone with this machine <laughs> yeah. And, and that, let's root for them. And let's root for them. And then also, uh, if that also creates a lot of scenes because now the machine is clearly very dangerous, and yeah. and I I didn't trust myself as a. I mean, in Jurassic Park, that's exactly what they do. First scene is they try the thing and a guy dies, and second scene is they talk about it. And they're like, the fucking guy dies. We have to figure this out. We have to we have to change our plan in order to accommodate the fact that this guy died. And they're like, okay, well, whatever. Um, <laughs> But it's definitely going to be fine. And I, I didn't trust myself enough as a writer to be able to make that second scene concise and make it believable that the characters think that it's okay that a guy died. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah
0: because with Jurassic Park, it's like they're doing something that's never been seen before. They're bringing dinosaurs back to life. With this, it's, you know, they're going to make an entertainment product. That's right. also kind of a drug, sort of. Right. Yeah. yeah. Basically uh, porn. Basically <laughs> I have two other things that I think are important. Uh, number one is why does Victoria go to the factory to find a renderer? What is her game plan there? What What is in Victoria's head when she says, I'm going to find a renderer? Is there someone that she specifically wants to find or is she just thinking, I'll go down to the factory and see if I can't find someone here or there?
1: The, the second one.
0: Okay. Yeah. Because I think that...
1: Also, it's a little weak, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's
0: not the strongest way to, to for her to... I think that... The thing that would make the most sense to me, and Evan, I can tell you you want to chime in, so I'll be quick about this. Is uh, if she has someone specific in mind, and then it turns out that person just isn't there, or they died, or like they're gone, or something, and then she's just like in the factory or getting into the factory, she's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna do, and then she meets Flora and she's like, You can render, right? Yeah, (laughs) that's all I really need technically. I'm gonna tell them you're the best. But I don't know. It's 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 a matter of Flora and Victoria
2: getting connected at the security entrance, Flora finding out who Victoria is looking for, and Flora informing Victoria that that person is no longer available.
1: Or, or that could be why she gets turned away. Like, Victoria could be at the gate, uh-huh. and she's like, listen, I know my ID is out of date, but, like, talk to... Uh, uh, John Doug Johnson. Douglas Fairbanks and <laughs> and I swear just to can tell him my name and, and he'll let you in. He's like Douglas Fairbanks died three years ago. Yeah. Listen, old lady, I suggest your your time has passed. I suggest you leave it to the youngsters now. Get the <laughs> hell out of here. And then and then Flora's like, I'll let her. You know, yeah. Like that could that could be. I, I had an incredibly hard time writing the dialogue between the security guard and Victoria because I couldn't think of anything interesting for them to say to each other. Right. And that gives... Now you have something. I, that's, that's a thing. That's a thing. The, uh, the other thing... Wait, 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 before, oh, before, okay, you, before you jump Evan, Evan, you had, you had something to so... say. I, I covered it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, sick. <laughs> sick, nasty, gnarly, dude. Uh, th- there's a missed opportunity, I think, in this uh, these first few pages to going use everyone's favorite term here mm-hmm. take a shot save the cat baby yeah baby oh um, oh make Flo- give Flora a hero moment the- and I think the one that makes the most sense because like Victoria obviously is like a definite hero moment right but something I think needs to happen earlier considering how long we're with Flora sure and I think your best opportunity to do it is when she goes to the bodega for the first time um I think you know she's a if the bodega shop owner is offering her this hot tip or whatever she needs to get him back in some way other than just giving her giving him right. the, the amount of money that she has which is almost nothing um I think if she goes into debt for this bodega owner or is just like you know what um I owe you how much okay like I, my tab is at what at this point right alright I'll just put it on my credit you know right and actually just pay interest on it for the rest of my life you right. know Or maybe she buys something she doesn't need, or you know the the awful version is that like a starving orphan is there and is like, please, I I need your jerky. She's like, oh well, this I only have this much jerky, but here you go. Right. Um, What I think of specifically is um, there's this scene from this anime called Trigon, where uh, like the characters are on this long, long bus ride and they're starving, and this one guy who it's the first time we meet him. Uh, he, he has um, four or he has like one cube of condensed food that he cuts into four pieces and then there's like a little girl and her mother and he's like here's this for you here's this for you these two are for me it becomes clear exactly who the character is in that moment right. where it's like I will help other people but gotta look out for number one above and beyond everything else Right. Um, so maybe something kind of like that for Flora I sure. think would be nice
1: yeah that makes a lot of sense
0: uh, just going way into the anecdotes again, you know how we do on What If But
1: Good. <laughs> oh yeah, you know you know how we do. Yeah. Um, it, it, since since you brought up anime, um, something which I've been thinking a lot about for those first two scenes is, uh, there's something I, I think about every time I I start something, which is this one anime. I don't even remember the name of it, but I saw it with a friend of mine a long time ago. Oh no, you know you know, you know it wasn't it wasn't an anime. It was a web comic, hmm. and. It opens with a 15-page fight scene. Oh, With all, wow. the new, all the main characters. And I kind of hold that in my head as the worst possible way that you could open a story. Because a, a fight scene with characters you haven't met yet is meaningless. It just... It, there's no content. It, yeah. it, it might as well be white noise. Because, mm-hmm. you know... And it's fine to do a fight scene that's 30 seconds long, that's like a stinger, like, ooh, this is sort of what you'll get if you Mm. keep watching. And I I feel like right now I'm opening with a fight scene. I'm opening with pretty dense information about stuff that we don't care about yet. And that's definitely, like, that's just something i got to figure out.
0: I wouldn't worry too hard about that because the world that you're setting up here is very different from our own. 15 minutes into the future, guys. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I just really wanted to say that it's not really accurate for the screenplay. But it's there's so much that needs to be set up that uh, we're okay getting it parceled out throughout these first 10, 15 pages. Um, but we just need to know just enough that there's something dramatic that happens at the very beginning that we can still follow along with.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think the first scene where Xavier goes under is 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 all right. Like that's pretty tight. But the the second scene where it's like the argument between Joaquin and Yvonne and Victoria, it, I mean, it's like two and a half pages. It's, it's just definitely too long. It's you know what reminded
0: me of uh, the the operators outside of the Matrix. Yeah. In the first Matrix movie, where it's like we we get the little bit of them at the very beginning, but we don't see the world on the ship right until like halfway through the
1: movie. Right. So.
0: To someone to think about Yeah, for
1: sure. Um, the Matrix is a good a good point of reference for this. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you too, but I, I want to hear about any other thoughts that you have before I ask. Um
2: no, I covered what I had. Okay. Same
1: here. Um so both of you said the silver orphean, black orphean thing needs to be covered in more detail. Um that is that is a that is a heartbreaking note. <laughs> 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 because the the thing that I have been desperately trying to get rid of is uh, details about the way that the sci-fi works in this. Um, well, because, it's, it's a yeah.
2: matter of, like, like, even in that first scene when it turns silver, mm-hmm. it's like it actualized or it's just something small like it that. It developed. It developed. Right. It changed. It, it,
1: it, it as, you mean as, as dialogue? Like as yeah, a yeah. Sitting. There's, like,
2: just one, two-word two okay. line that's, like, it's, it's, it's become what it's looking for. Kind of thing.
0: Yeah, you don't need to tell us how the sci-fi works. You just need to tell yeah, us you don't if things things
2: that, like, that it worked or it didn't work. What, what, what matters most is what the color change represents. Right. The science behind it can go fuck itself. We don't right. need to know. We just need to know what will help us have a symbolic representation.
1: Okay. Isn't isn't there a line of dialogue where she holds up the silver or film and he goes, It worked? Question mark? <laughs> she goes, Yes. Like, isn't that in the screenplay?
2: But at the same time, it wasn't enough. It, it was if period. it wasn't the screenplay, then it
1: wasn't enough. Yeah, right. uh, okay, I got it. Uh, the line is, Is
0: that, did you try it? And no. Victoria goes, Yes, I did. So it's, it's a very small thing to just be like,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, when we see black turn to silver for the first time, uh, people need to freak
1: out and go like, holy shit, it worked! Right. The dream is alive. alive! Right, yeah. yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um,
2: cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, and you know, one thing which I just thought of is maybe a way to do that would be to cut the whole second scene and have whichever character it is, Victoria or Xavier, collapse, and they're like, oh my god, and just add a tale to the end of the first one where they collapse and it's like, oh my god, is he okay? And then like, Joaquin walks over and is like, it doesn't matter. Look, it worked. And yeah. they all sort of gather around and it's like, all right. What do we need? Like, Orpheum and and another uh, like and it's going it, it, to take her place. Yeah, exactly. If, if Victoria, actually, that's a that's a that's a way better that's a way better thing. If yeah. if Victoria had sort of promised that she was going to be able to do this, and if they're like, oh well, that's not going to fucking work. We need a yeah. new Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Great. Perfect. That's cool. Yeah. Awesome. So just Thank very you.
0: quickly, uh, what do we want to do for next week? Finish.
2: Finish. Finish.
0: Finish right, and yeah. for me it's maybe probably, add a
2: scene or two. Yeah. And uh, me personally, I'd like to go into this next episode not with just the pages, but I want to be able to read everything. Right. It might take a little extra time, but I want to be able to come into this next episode and be like, "This is what your script looked like to me." Right.
1: So. For for both of us. Yeah, yeah. So send everything. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. Um. So are we we're gonna have we're gonna meet next week and then we're meeting a third a last time on July fourth, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to milk that. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> and uh, my, I would like to just complete the rest of the scenes in Act 1 for next week. And okay. then for July 4th, do, do a comb through nice. of just going, taking an afternoon and going through the whole screenplay and making whatever obvious changes need to happen that can be executed quickly. Cool. Rock and roll, guys. All right. Cool. And almost there. Almost there. Good. Good. say it?
2: What if but toodles? <laughs>